You're listening to Talk to the Experts. I'm Wayne Nelson. My guests today are Sherry McMillan and Norman Ewing from McMillan Estate Planning. A reminder that the McMillan team will be hosting two webinars, Wednesday, November 8th and Wednesday, November 22nd, both days at 6.30 p.m. And for those in the Calgary area, that November 22nd seminar will be live at the Fairmont Palliser Hotel. To register, contact McMillan Estate Planning at 1-833-266-6464 or visit the website at mcmillanestate.com for more information. All right, Sherry, just before the break, I uh, interrupted you just as you got started about the uh, testamentary trust and how it works in action. So let's pick up, if we could, uh, a little bit more about the testamentary trust, which starts when a person, uh, when their life ends. Certainly, Wayne. So a testamentary trust is the most simple form of trust that we can use. Um, So as a general rule of thumb in our office, we'll say that if your estate's worth more than a million dollars, you should uh, potentially use a testamentary trust because you've probably outgrown a will at that point because people are going to be inheriting high value. So people such as your spouse is going to be inheriting a high value from you. They'll be inheriting your RSPs. They'll be inheriting your home, your investments, maybe your business. And then that leaves your spouse exposed, because now they've inherited everything through a will if we don't use a trust. And if they get married again, guess what happens? All of that wealth is exposed to that new relationship and perhaps your children are bypassed. Because if that spouse has a breakdown with your partner, all of a sudden you could lose their retirement and the inheritance that you thought was going to go to the children. So that's why in our office, as a general rule of thumb, is we use testamentary trusts if the estate is worth a million or more. And so the first type of trust that we will frequently use is a trust for the spouse so that when a husband or wife passes, instead of transferring everything directly the way you would normally do so in a will to a spouse, we directly send it to what is called a spousal trust. And it's a special trust in Canada we're allowed to set up for our partner, our spouse, and our wealth can go into it. So we call it the Macmillan Dating Service because in effect it acts like a natural prenup if they enter a new relationship after the first spouse passes. You're preserving the bloodline. That's right. And you're preserving their retirement, most importantly, because if they do live decades and decades into retirement, we want to make sure that wealth remains with them and that a new partner coming in late in life can't access that retirement plan in effect. So we actually view testamentary trust as retirement planning protection, if you can understand that from that philosophy. So one of the... Uh, common things we do with a spousal trust is the spouse still has full control over the asset base. So everything that they would normally inherit through a will, they're going to be inheriting through this trust now. So they'll just manage it as they normally would have as if they owned it directly, but now they own it indirectly through the trust. And so they're naturally protected from the next relationships that they enter. Brings a question to mind, uh, Sherry. Is that spouse able to change the terms of that testamentary trust as it was set up by their now deceased partner? Generally, yes. And the reason for that is most spouses allow each other to have that kind of leeway in their planning. So, for example, you don't want to lock someone in that the primary home is the primary home for the balance of lifetime. That may not be functional, you know. So if if you trust your spouse's uh, stewardship, which most people do or they wouldn't be with their spouse, um, they're happy to leave that control in the hands of their spouse. But that fence naturally, just by simply putting it in trust, now bypasses any dower rights of new partners entering the relationship. And that's really important because most of us will lose our estate to non-family, like a new partner, 
in the last five years of life, if you can imagine. That's the statistics. Because people marry a second time, especially gentlemen. Um, if they lose their wife, it's very, very common. 80% of them will marry again or live common law. And so then that new common law partner takes precedent over that estate if the family prior had used a will instead of a trust. So a testimony trust is a phenomenal tool for the spouse. It's also a phenomenal tool for your children. It's a real gift to give them their inheritance in a trust instead of directly. I call it parental protection (laughs) or parental guidance Um, because what you can do is you can build in safeguards for them. So if they're young people, 20, 25, you may not want them to inherit millions of dollars rapidly. So you may build in, you know, parenting skills into the trust guidelines and say things like, you know, if you get your degree, then you'll get this down payment for your first house. You can incentivize the children. You you can get that specific then. Absolutely. And we can uh, draw from all of the families we've worked with over the years to show really creative ideas of how to use it as a parenting tool and a teaching tool for children. So I think testamentary trust is one of the most missed opportunities because, again, most of us have estates of a million or more today with our RSBs and our houses and so forth. Well, in and a million yet, dollars, uh, Sherry, in this day and age, it really isn't that low. Uh, when you consider that the uh, the price of a detached home in, in Calgary these days uh, is somewhere uh, north of uh, $650,000. Absolutely, Wayne. And so we are inheriting literally millions today, and we want to inherit them in a safe manner. So your recommendation, once again, testamentary trust, as opposed to just a will. Correct. You should still have a will, though. Absolutely. So we will prepare them in conjunction and enact them together, Um, but we don't want you to just do a simple will format because we're going to miss these protective stances that we otherwise could have had in our family unit. Anything else you want to add about trusts, Sherry, before we move on to our next subject? Yes, Wayne. So one of the other trusts that I like to share is a case study because it shows safeguarding significance in a real-life example. So one of my uh, long-term clients who was married to his wife for over 50 years came back to tweak his spousal trust for his wife. And when I asked him what he wanted to do, he said, well, when they were young and got married, he had promised to always be with her until the end of life. But he thought probably wasn't going to make it because of the way his health was showing up. So he said, but I want to keep my word and I want to keep that promise to her. And her name was Anne. And I said, okay, well, what are you thinking? And he said, well, what I've done, Sherry, is I have that trust. I know I have that trust now. I want to figure out how much money it would take to put in the trust. And he pulled out this box out of his briefcase and he had pre-written anniversary cards to his wife until she was 100. And he said, I want you to send flowers with these cards to her if I die first so that I can be with her until the end. Well, I wasn't very professional, Wayne. I just cried (laughs) in the board meeting. And we completed that trust for him. And we did lose him first. And when we read the cards to her every Christmas, because that's when she wanted to read the cards, um, the whole family was there in attendance. And what I can tell you is when we lost Anne, the family continues to do that to this day. And so to me, that trust was a measure of showing how somebody safeguarded their promise and significance and their love for their spouse in a spousal trust. It's nothing to do with law. It's nothing to do with tax. But it's the biggest legacy that that person could give to his wife. And so I think people need to be quite creative and imaginative of what this kind of tool can provide to a family. 
and passed on that legacy to the children as well. Absolutely, Wayne. All right, let's uh, talk about tax planning uh, as we move into the next segment of our discussion today. Uh, Norman, uh, a big worry for people right now is potential tax increase to pay for all of the government's coronavirus spending, and uh, we are going to get hit with that for sure. What estate planning strategies do you suggest families consider when preparing for this? I'm not going to say possible. It's going to happen. Tax increase. Well, you know, the, the the first planning thing that we need to realize is uh, not to worry too much about this. Uh, you know, when you deal with tax planning uh, for long enough, you realize that, you know, the government is always um, seeking new sources of revenue. And, uh, you know, there has been more of a focus recently on, on, on taxing the rich. But this is something that uh, we've been dealing with for a long time at Macmillan is, is how do we adapt to these new uh, changes um, and how do we find solutions um, to continue to allow clients to do uh, what they need to um, with their estate. All right. I'm going to pause right there. We'll continue that when we, uh, we, when we come back because we do have a break. You are listening to Talk to the Experts. The Macmillan team will be hosting two webinars, Wednesday, November 8th and Wednesday, November 22nd, both days at 6.30 p.m. And for those in the Calgary area, that November 22nd seminar will be live at the Fairmont Palliser Hotel. To register, simply contact Macmillan Estate Planning at 1-833-266-6464 during weekday office hours, or you can go to the website for more information at macmillanestate.com. Norman Ewing from Macmillan Estate Planning and Sherry McMillan from Macmillan Estate Planning are my guests today, and we will be back to wrap things up on Talk to the Experts.